0: As you make your way back, if you're already back, if you could turn to Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Last week, the uh, title of the sermon was, What Kind of Accent Did Jesus Speak With? Right? We learned a little bit about accents. Ephesians 4.29 Ephesians 4.29, We're going to read these and then we're going to watch a little video. So our desire is not just to understand God being the God of grace and then come to his throne of grace, but we're in a series that is really so practical in how do we impart grace to each other, right? And Ephesians 4.29 says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. In the New King James Version, it says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Let's pray and then we'll watch the video. Lord, as we prepare to uh, dig into your word once again, uh, we ask now that through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, the teacher of truth, the counselor, that you will open our hearts and minds in this area of imparting grace through our words. Uh, Father, for many of us, it is it is a struggle. And uh, it is convicting as we, uh, perhaps this week, spent time being consciously aware of what comes out of our mouths and, and how it may be impacting those who hear it. And so, Lord, Lord, uh, we yield once again and ask you uh, to do what only you can do. You know us and uh, so um, as we watch this video and then uh, again look at your word, we ask you to uh, teach us and that we would not just be hearers but doers and in the doing that we would be transformed. In Jesus' name, Amen. Mm-hmm.
1: Did you know the longest word in the English dictionary is "numino ultramicroscopic silico-volcano-coniosis, consisting of 45 letters? It's a lung disease, in case you were wondering. The average person speaks 16,000 words per day. The longest printed sentence in an English-language novel is 13,955 words, written by Jonathan Coe. The shortest story ever written is six words long, authored by Ernest Hemingway, with a total of 25 letters, which happens to be 11 letters less than it takes to write out, 13,955. During the Civil War, Edward Everett delivered a speech at Gettysburg, Pennsylvania that consisted of over 13,500 words, and lasted for two hours. Abraham Lincoln followed it up with 268 words in two minutes. He gave newfound hope to a bloodied nation and is considered one of the greatest speeches in American history. On August 28, 1963, a Baptist minister from Atlanta, Georgia, spoke 1,578 words that changed the course of a nation. 28 years before that, An idealistic European Prime Minister's words were instrumental in changing the course of the world. Words can define a vision. No matter how sinister the vision might be. Some words are by mothers Others by monsters But do our words matter? Words that build up Or words that demoralize Words that challenge Or words that excuse Words that unite words that tear apart? Do they matter? Is anyone listening? Or are they just words?
0: The average person speaks 16,000 words a day. It's amazing. I came across an article from last year, talked about the difference between men and women in their words. It says a study by the University of Maryland's College of Medicine found that on average, women speak about 20,000 words per day. Compare compare that to the average man who speaks only 7,000 words per day, right? And, and they've actually found some science behind it. it. says the University of Maryland study found that a protein in the brain called FOXP2 is responsible for our desire to speak. The research was conducted, and basically women, uh, human women, have more of this protein. So you're more inclined uh, biologically to speak more. Uh, the converse is true in rats. Male rats speak more than female rats or whatever that's worth, right? So regardless of, of the number of words you speak, whether it's 20,000, 7,000, 16,000, right? What we're concerned about is the content of those words, right? Ephesians 4.29, as we saw last, last Sunday, uh, is very, very direct, very clear. Uh, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but what, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who who listen, again, in New King James, it says that it may impart grace to the hearers. Grace. And we shared, you know, the title last week's a message was, Shai, you can turn these lights on, was, what accent did Jesus speak with? What was his accent? Right? And we talked about Carl, you know, being from South America, and, you know, his accent. And, Steve, you told me one time it was West Virginia, Right? somewhere there, right? You just kind of make it up. It changes weekly, you know. Um, but what accent did Jesus speak with, right? And we saw in Luke and in Romans that, or in John that, that Jesus spoke words that were gracious. And he says three times in John, I tell you the truth. So Jesus, his accent, if we want to play off that word, is grace and truth. Philippians 3.20 says that we are citizens of where? Heaven. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says we're to imitate God, right? As his children. Uh, Tyler, if it's not working, there's lights. There's a light switch over there that we may need to power on. Try another one that goes down. Now, Shiloh, try it over there. uh, They've changed the lights in here. There we go. All right. So, if we're citizens of heaven and we're to imitate God, the question last, last Sunday was, if someone was eavesdropping on your conversation at work, at home, out here, would they know where you were from? Would they be intrigued? Would they say, um, because we've all done that before. You've been at Disneyland or somewhere where there's, you know, the airport, and you're like, man, what, is, what, what accent? What, I do what country they're from, Right? Well as Christians as Christians that went off as Christians we should be aware of that right because the truth is people are listening to your conversations and you don't even know it people are reading your Facebook posts and you don't even know it people are looking at your Instagram photos and you don't even know it. You're speaking constantly. You're on your cell phone at the store. People are all around you hearing that conversation. The question is, does your conversation make them want to go, where are you from? Are are we speaking with grace and truth in such a way that people go, I knew you were a Christian. I could just tell by your conversation. Now, the converse is, and many of us, and some of you have shared this with me, I can't believe so-and-so at work. They da-da-da-da-da-da. And they call themselves a
1: Christian.
0: How many of you heard that, right? You're like, I can't believe that. They call themselves a Christian and they talk like that, right? So it goes both ways. And so if we're going to impart grace to the hearers, not even just who you're talking to, but the second level. I told you last Sunday I had to ask forgiveness for my kids because sometimes I share with my wife things at home that I'm struggling with and I forget that my kids are watching TV but they're also listening to the conversation. And I had to ask forgiveness for them uh, because sometimes it's not necessary and edifying for them to hear in that context. You know? And, I had, and this, this verse really convicted me. I'm like, okay, Lord. You know, if you look in your outline there, right? these were the questions that we asked. It says, evaluating my words. The, the part that says sermon notes. It says, are my words corrupt? Right. And that that that, that's worthless, disgusting, offensive. Uh, Is it helpful? Right. That word corrupt has to do with decay. Right. Right. Anything that's really not beneficial. Do my words build up or tear down? Do my words build up or tear down? I shared with you the story I learned 20 years ago when I first was started attending a Christian church. Someone said, everyone in this room, you hold two buckets. One has gas and one has water. And in the world of churchdom, when the little gossip comes your way, you have a choice. You can either throw gas on it and accelerate it, or you can throw water on it and squash it. Right? Everyone. Everyone has that. Everyone has that choice, right? Say, are my words uh, do my words build up or tell it? Are my words necessary? Think about that. If you were to consciously have go through a day and say lord let me only speak what is necessary how much silence would you have right because sometimes we have this need we get in this habit that we always have to fill empty space with words right and we saw in proverbs 10:19 when words are many sin is not absent but he who holds his tongue is wise proverbs 29:20 20, do you see a man who speaks in haste there is more hope for a fool than for him right are my words necessary? Do I really need to say this? Do I really need to share this? Is this going to build up or tear down? Is this, is this Would this come under the unwholesome talk? right? Do my words impart grace to those who are listening? What is the impact of your listeners? Is it helping them grow in their relationship with the Lord? Is it edifying? Is it something positive? Is it affirming? Or does somebody leave a conversation with you just like bummed out? Or just stumbled maybe. right And th- this is this is really you know I shared with you that that group of college students who, who were convicted by this, uh, this truth and they said, okay, for a week we're going to monitor our conversation and only say things that impart grace necessary. And you know what when this group got together, it was silence. Because they had gotten into this habit, Which we all can do. You get with your buddies. And you get in this habit of juking and jiving, da-da-da-da-da. And you realize, you know what? Everything we talk about revolves around negativity. Everything we talk about revolves around stuff that really isn't necessary, isn't edifying, isn't positive, isn't affirming. In fact, even within the world of church, when we get around church people, we can actually have very worldly conversations. Because we sometimes get overly comfortable And we forget, oh wait, the Bible says let no unwholesome talk. But I'm around church people, we're just joking. Right? And as I was reading this, I was like, why is it that we forget, right? There's there's the omnis, God is omnipotent, right? All powerful, right? He's omniscient, he's all knowing, and he's omnipresent, which means what? He's everywhere. So why is it that sometimes we can have, oh, it's just the buddies. We're just going to talk over here. And we forget that Jesus is right there in the middle. How would our words change if we became physically, like, just aware, consciously aware of God's omnipresence? That might change things, right? That might make the Bible come to life. Oh, wait, you know, okay, okay, right? And so we, we talked about that. At the, at the quote there on the bottom, I, I kind of found this really humorous. One of the first things that happens when a man is really filled with the Spirit is not that he speaks with tongues, but that he learns to hold the one he already has. Right? Right? Whew, and James talks about this tongue being a, fu- a little flame, right? That's a... Anybody here ever say something and wish you could take it back the second you said it? Right? Everyone, everyone, anyone ever light an inferno by one little comment? Anyone know what to say to push that spouse's button? Don't go there. Oh, no, you didn't. You didn't just say that, did you? Right? We know. We know. You just toss a grenade. (laughs) I keep moving. He said, what? You did what? (laughs) They're like little grenades if we're not careful, right? And what does he say in James? Hey, on Sundays, we praise God. We sing wonderful songs. And then we go out and... Bitter water comes out. It shouldn't be that way. Come on, guys. James is talking to Christians. He said, hey, with the same mouth, we praise God and curse. No, 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 no. Let's 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 deal with this. Let's let's work through our words. Right. And so we understood last Sunday what what accent Jesus had. So then the question on the front of your bulletin. Well, if Jesus spoke with grace and truth. How can I speak with the same accent that Jesus had? Right. Because we saw a little linguistic study from last Sunday. It is possible to change your accent. Going back to world languages, you can change your accent. Right. And this expert says you have to really want to. Okay, You identify the one you want to speak. Expose yourself to the accent. Get some friends. Right. Make sure you're not mixing with the wrong crowd. So there are even in the in the in the world of language, you can change your accent. But you have to make conscious heart decisions and then life changes same thing as a believer as a christian if you're going to speak with the same accent if you want your conversation to be filled with grace and truth here's the deal first step you got to really want to right look on your outline there let's turn to luke 6 43 Colossians 4, 6 says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone, right? So Luke 6, 43, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his what? Heart. For out of the overflow, or of some versions are abundance, for out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth, what? Speaks. See, I've been in youth ministry for almost 10, 15 years. and you work with kids, you hear it all. I mean, it's hilarious. Some of the most uh, challenging times I had was driving kids to Magic Mountain. And they're back in the back of the van, talking. <laughs> and all you're doing is listening. <laughs> okay. It gives me, you know, I, I, got, I knew everything about Nordoff just when I took to Magic Mountain, right? I knew everything going on. You just got to listen, right? But I learned, I said, okay, Lord, instead of being condemning, I just had to say, okay, why is this kid talking like this? Well, it's his heart. He's just, his, his words are just revealing the condition of his heart. You know, so it was really a heart issue. And for us, in Luke six forty-three to 45, the first place we need to go regarding our language is where? Our heart. It begins in our heart. See, many of us think that, okay, oh, now they're the language police. Now they're going to give us a list of things to say and things you're not allowed to say. No. What we're going to say is it's a heart issue. And as your heart gets right and tender towards God, and as you're loving God with all your what? Heart, what's going to happen to your words and your language? It's going to change. Right? There have been times in my life when, quite frankly, I've gotten angry. Angry, angry, angry. Hurt. Confused. Bitter. Resentful. Right? And what do you think happens to my tone And the things that come out of my mouth because my heart isn't right. it just leaks. As hard as you want to try to hide it, it'll leak out some way. All it takes is one person to bait you or push the right button and... Right? Anybody here consider yourself a bottler? Meaning you bottle stuff up? Right? And and if it gets so much, how do we tend to release? Pshh. So so if we're going to speak with the same accent of Jesus this morning we got to ask lord is there something in my heart that's not right am i angry am i bitter am i am i not is, is there a hardness to god a hardness to somebody that is really affecting my my language okay so it's a, it's a heart issue okay and then it says uh, how do i it says draw near to god turn to ephesians 518 So we begin with our heart. We come to the throne of grace. We're honest. We're open with God. We say, Lord, is there something going on in my heart? Is there something going on in my heart that's being revealed in my words? Right? Ephesians 5.18 kind of ties right into to Bill's teaching on the Holy Spirit the last month. Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. That filling means controlled, submitted to, yielded to, right? And then look what happens. We tend to to stop right there. Let's keep going to 19. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a radical connection. As you draw near to God, as you are spirit-filled, spirit-controlled, spirit-empowered, what comes out of your mouth changes. Verse 19, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making music, giving thanks. Verse 21, submitting. Isn't that awesome? Say, Lord, work on my heart. Lord, help me to yield and to walk and stay in step with the Holy Spirit. And that's where this music comes from. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to be able to sing in perfect pitch. Some of you will still be making a joyful noise, right? But it'll be from where? Your heart through the indwelling Spirit. You ever have one of those moments when you're in a good season and you have a good time with the Lord and you're just walking through the day and you just start singing a song? Anyone ever have that? Just a song comes out and you just... Where is that coming from? Not from you. You've chosen to be submitted to the Holy Spirit and walk in Him and all these songs and verses and you're just humming a tune. That's, from, that's the inside out. That's the Holy Spirit in and through you. Okay? So we draw near to God. It's a heart issue. We learn to be submitted and yielded to the indwelling Holy Spirit. Right. And then very much related. Turn to Colossians 3. Colossians 3.16. Okay. So we have the Holy Spirit that will flow through us, affecting our language and attitude. Look at Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you what? Sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts. Parallel, right? Psalms, singing, gratitude. From what in this case? What What are we supposed to do? Let what? The word of Christ. God's word in you dwell in you richly that means lavishly extravagantly okay when it says dwell here's the here's the word picture make its home not just a visitor right sometimes we get into uh, i got to read my daily reading plan so i read it check it off and it was like someone who just came to the door and visited and left when it says in Colossians 3:16, let the word of Christ dwell in you, it means know the word, study it, read it, think upon it, meditate on it so much that the word of Christ, God's word, makes its home richly in you. And something's going to happen. Look, teach, admonish one another with wisdom, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, gratitude. All of that will flow from the word of Christ dwelling in you as if it's taken up permanent residence. See, many of us, again, we want to clean the outside of the dish. This is what Jesus was talking about with the Pharisees. Oh, you Pharisees, you clean the outside of the dish and make, make it sound really good and look really good, but your inside's not right. Jesus says, clean the inside. So how do we do that? We draw near to God. How do we do that? We allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, control us. How do we do that? We let the Word of Christ dwell what? Richly. Right? It's not in your notes, but put these uh, four letters G I G O. G period, capital I period, capital G period, capital O period. Right? Garbage in, garbage out. You've heard of that, right? Let me switch that for all of us. God's word in, God's word out. If you will let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, you know what's going to happen. Someone's going to come up to you for advice or a counsel and you're going to say a scripture and you're like, where did that come from? You're going to start speaking God's truth and God's principles just by default. It's going to flow out of you. It's like, how did Doris, whenever I go to Doris, she always comes out with a verse or something that applies or, you know, someone we look up to. You know, the only reason they do that, because God's word has gone in and they dwell, and they know it, and they know it, and they know it. So in the course of normal conversation, God's Word comes out as normal conversation. That's all it is. God's Word in, God's Word out. It's so liberating. It's so liberating, right? And then it says, surround yourself with others who speak the accent you want, right? Let's turn to Hebrews 10. Keep going to our right. Hebrews 10. Hebrews ten twenty four, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another... And all the more as you see the day approaching. That word encouragement, you see, when we're around together, when you make a commitment to be around God's people on Sundays, Wednesdays, and as much as possible, and you're speaking words of encouragement to another, you know what's going to happen? You're going to pick up on that language. You're to, if you surround yourself with God's people, it's important to come for worship in the Word, but it's also important to not forsake the gathering because who you surround yourself with, you're going to begin to talk like them. Remember back in high school days? Right? Who you surround yourself with will influence your accent, how you speak. That's why it's important to be here. You're around people that will speak encouraging, that will glorify God, that will give praises to God, that are thankful. You know what? You're going to start to pick it up. You're just going to start to pick it up. That's why it's important to surround yourself with others. The converse is true, too. If you leave here, and Monday through Friday you surround yourself with negative, critical people, you're going to start talking like them. The converse is true, right? So you have to ask yourself, who am I surrounding myself with? And now hopefully understand the importance, because who you surround yourself with affects what comes out of your mouth. What comes out of your mouth, right? Psalm 141 verse 3. I love this verse. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Isn't that awesome. The door of my lips. Psalm 141 3. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Isn't that a great prayer every day? <laughs> Lord, today, can you put a can you just put a watch over the door of my lips so nothing leaves that door? <laughs> except which is necessary for edification. Wouldn't that be awesome? Right? All of a sudden, your friends would be like, hey, how come you don't talk so much anymore? You used to be the life of this group. Now you're quiet. That might not be a bad thing, huh? That might not be a bad thing, right? So, if we're, if, if we're going to impart grace, Right? We understand we've got to draw near to God. It's a heart issue. We understand it's the Holy Spirit in us. We understand it's the Word of God in us. And we understand we all have a part in helping one another. Amen? I shared this with you several years ago. That's your heart. It's a heart issue. Some of us have stuff in our heart that we don't want there. Right? Right? So we learn, we come to God and we ask Him to show us. Maybe there's things we need to confess. Maybe there's issues, people we need to forgive. Maybe there's anger, resentment, and bitters. So God begins to speak to us, right? And then we let the Holy Spirit in. And the Holy Spirit fills us, controls us, right? Daily, 24-7. And then He says, hey, let the Word of Christ dwell in your heart. So we get into the Word And the word begins to fill our hearts, right? Daily, we memorize it, we study it, we share it with others. We come to Wednesday night, we come to Sundays, we bring our Bibles, whatever it takes. And then he says, hey, keep gathering, surround yourself with people who are going to speak encouraging words and pour into you. And as you draw near to God, as the Holy Spirit infills you as the Word of Christ dwells in you richly, as you surround yourself with others, your, your heart changes. It changes. What was once filled that shouldn't be there is now gone. Replaced with the things of the Lord. That's the starting place. It's not about cleaning up the dish and being, you know, the police, and this, this, don't do this, do this. No, no, no. Focus on your heart and putting the right things in your heart. It's a heart issue. Learn to be filled with the Spirit. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, and let others pour into your heart, and it will change. And here's the glorious truth. As this changes, what happens to your language? It changes. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you command us to be very careful about our words. And then you give clear direction as to how we can speak like Jesus. Words of grace and truth. It's by drawing near to you. It's by being filled with the Spirit. It's by allowing the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. And then it's by surrounding ourselves with brothers and sisters who speak words of encouragement, who speak words of praise and words of thanksgiving. Father, You know us. And as we prepare for communion, we are reminded it begins in the heart.